the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. A really great episode for you guys. This guy is a massive diehard wrestling fan through and through. Almost became a wrestler. Instead went on to become an actor and is now starring in She-Hulk that you guys can now see on Disney+. Josh Segura is my guest. We get into a ton of stuff and uh, his love of O-Town and how he maybe could have been in a boy band, but we that did not happen. Things worked out for him. It's all good. Um, okay, but before we get to that interview, I want to talk to you guys about AG1. Like everybody, I'm just trying to keep it together. I'm trying to be as healthy as I can between like trying to stay healthy and get moving and keep your job afloat and do all of these things. I mean, sometimes it's just like, what can I do that's making my life a little bit easier here? And that for me, is AG1. Um, You know, you want better gut health. I want to have more energy. Who doesn't? Optimized immune system. And God, taking so many pills and vitamins. And sometimes in the morning, it's like, just give me my coffee. Give me my AG1. Throw them both back at the same time. Let's get this party started. That's why I love having this as a part of my routine. It just feels like I can accomplish everything I need to do in a condensed amount of time, give me all of the the healthy things that my body needs, uh, of course, along with the, my caffeine to go with that, because that's just how I choose to do it first thing in the morning. You take one scoop of AG1 and you are absorbing, get ready for this, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. That's what I'm talking about. So this blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Please, aging gods, shine down upon me. Thank you. So to make it easy for you guys, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs to go with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sesh. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sesh to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Get on it. AG1 for you, baby. Let's all get healthy together, shall we? All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into it. Here is Josh Segura. 
so excited to have you on the show. This all came together pretty quick, huh? It did. I love that I ran into Emilio on Saturday. It was awesome. And we had connected before through Ted. So this is this was it was meant to be. So thank you. Thank you for letting me on. Oh my gosh, thanks for coming on. And is this your normal camera setup or did you set up the the championship and the figurine special for me? I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. The only difference is, is that since there's that door right there, I just, it lives here. <laughs> okay. You see? Yeah. But I well, wasn't going to I appreciate it. No, they need their camera time 100%. Come on. These guys have the rest of the collection over there and they're all mine from when I grew up. I had to buy the Warrior recently and I had to buy Macho recently, but everybody else was mine. You know, I got I got the rockers back there, Bushwhackers. I got Roddy. I got Demolition. Without Crush, I got Jake. Who's missing? <laughs> uh, Hacksaw. Oh. And then Million Dollar Man. That's who's back there. That's the collection. And then, oh my there, I'll talk flip you around. Yeah, please Look, show me around. Check this out. Give me a tour. That was a really cool portrait from Arrow. A great gift from the black and white guy. Great artist. And then look at that. That's a that's a cool little painting I got at a Comic Con once. You see the Funkos. You see the Warrior in the middle. Those bottom level, that's all DVDs, all the one, you know, it's all around. And then here you go, up there. Can I show you that right there? Yeah, oh Boom. my gosh. That's my AEW collection right there. And that's and the And next to like the Ninja Turtles, let me tell you that that would make my husband very happy because he's like a Ninja Turtles <laughs> freak. Total freak, which is funny because you were on Arrow. Remember John being like, Damn it, he he really, not that he ever auditioned or was never in like talks for, but he really wanted to play Casey Jones. Lo and behold, Stephen Amell swoops in with his charming, unbelievable. It makes me happy, though, that Mox was mad just like me. I'll be honest (laughs) with you. You know, like I was sitting at home just like, man, you're playing Casey. That's every kid's dream right there. Every kid's dream. Everybody wanted to be Casey Jones. So, uh, yeah, I love that. So funny. Okay, so. As I was delving into doing a little research on having you on the show, you're kind of a mysterious man. Like, yes, I can get your IMDb and we can run through that stuff, but you kind of keep your cards close to the vest. Why is that? All right. You know what? Don't call me cheesy, but I want folks out there to know my characters before they know me. And I want them to be able to jump into the stories Sometimes forgetting that I'm a dad of two boys and I got a third baby boy on the way. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, And I think the reason I feel that way is because that's what I grew up on. And that's something that that I've always wanted to emulate in a way. Like, I didn't know Chris Farley, but I knew Chris through the characters, you know? Um, So... I don't know. I keep it that way. You know, maybe I'm, maybe, maybe this is what I was going to say earlier and then I changed my mind. Maybe I'm just trying to live in kayfabe, you know? Like, I was just going you know, like, to say that. I grew up on admiring and the guys, that, honestly, that were my superheroes. And that's why I'm so pumped to be talking to you today because I know that you love it just like me. I do. They were always mysterious and there was always something like, man, I can't quite put my finger on what that is. So I'm just trying to keep that as long as I can, but I don't know. No, but listen, I do get it. I mean, if you look at, I mean, John's the exact same way. He is very much like a purist when it comes to like, this is John Moxley, who Jonathan Good is. Very few people 
really know who that is. And I think obviously it's really hard to maintain that this day and age. Everyone's on social media. Everyone wants you to post things. Everyone wants your life 24-7. And first of all, kudos to you for not doing that because God, being on social media is like pulling, we all know it's it's rotten. But it does end up being part of our job sometimes. So the fact that you have eluded that makes me jealous. Good for you. That's cool. And I do get it too. It's like, you're right. Especially like the generation, like we're about the same age and like, yeah, we, we weren't looking at into people on their Instagram, like seeing what they were doing, you know, in their personal lives. We just watched these characters on television and fell in love with them that way. That was it. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, it's also like when it comes to watching, you know, like you said about John, like that's one of the coolest things about him is the fact that when we do see certain colors shine through him. Mm -hmm. I can see a difference in him when he's cutting one promo and you see like, oh, I see you, bro. I see what's (laughs) coming out of you, bro. That's always exhilarating to me. So I'm trying to chase that maybe a little bit, you know, just, uh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Very, very cool. Okay, so you grew up in Florida. What is it like growing up in Florida and having these as well for you, I guess, interesting to like have these aspirations because you did want to be a professional wrestler, correct? Uh, you know, that was always the pipe dream. That was always inside. Sure. But how much more of a pipe dream is that than being uh, an actor? Both are big dreams. One is not more attainable than the other. It's wild. And I'm never I'm never not surprised at how wild this whole thing is, you know, like. Going to the She-Hulk premiere mm-hmm. and you're sitting there and, you know, I'm standing next to Mark Ruffalo, you know, like, what are we doing here, man? You know, like, how did we get here? You know, just awesome, you know, and it did. It started in Orlando. I owe everything to my parents. Um, and I say that to say that, like, When I would, you know, when I was messing around as a kid, you know, wrestling in the backyard like a lot of us were, and I was cutting promos in the mirror and, you know, uh, doing my imitations. Who would you cut promos as? When I was young, young, it was the warrior and it was Hogan. You know, it was everybody had the brother in their vocabulary. Macho Man was, if not the best, one of the best promos ever. You know, you're trying to catch that cadence. (laughs) Your hands Come already on, up, you know, ready to do uh, it. You know, it's in here. It's, you know, don't make me, okay? Uh, but And then I was 11, 12, 13, and that's the Attitude Era, you know? So that's Rocky, you know? That's Stone Cold, you know? That's that's just in the mirror, turning, looking everywhere, you know? <laughs> I went and stood in a line at Orlando Arena. It was still called the Orlando Arena, and I was about that age, 12, 13, because they were doing a... Um, whoever could impersonate the rock the best. And if you won, you know, you'd get front row tickets. And I didn't end up auditioning. I didn't end up trying out because I stood in line for like an hour and we got there late, yada, yada. But I remember that just being like, I got to get there. I got it. And of course the line was miles long. One of those things, you know, but uh, that's what it was always. And I'd like to say then, but you know that I'm in my mirror, like on Sunday, cutting a promo, you know, like, (laughs) I'm just, you know. Hey, sometimes you got to channel a little inner something, something. I get it. You know. Okay, so growing up in Florida, though, and having these aspirations, you're like, ooh, I love professional wrestling, but also acting. And I feel like Florida really had its own thing going on for a while, especially in like the 
boy band scene. Like that was a big thing. Did you ever like, did you ever kind of circle in on that life? Because you sing as well, right? You know, I fake it well enough, Renee. Okay, I fake it well enough. Um, I did. I grew up singing and doing plays like in church. Okay, I grew up a church kid, you know. And I always wanted to be the devil or the demon in the play because that was the more interesting character. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be Jesus. I don't want to be boring up there, you know. We already know how that story ends. Let me do the creative character, okay? (laughs) You know, so. And then, you know, I was always singing in church. And I missed the boy band thing. By like, honestly, like, because I'm in, I'm 86. So I missed it by like two, three years. Because I think Nick Carter was like 13, right? And he was the youngest at the time. And I think at that time I was like 10-ish, 11-ish. So I remember being, and then O-Town came out. Oh my God, did I ever love me some O-Town? Jeez. All or nothing? That's the jam right there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, in eighth grade, I auditioned for the new Mickey Mouse Club. And I remember that being the first time I got real far in that audition, obviously didn't get cast, but I remember like being in that room at Disney and this was my first professional audition for something. And the same thing, you stand at, Orlando was filled with these, you stand in a parking lot and you just, everyone waits their turn, you know? Big cattle call. Yeah. Come on, you know it. So that was the first time I heard kids like, well, I need to call my agent because this (laughs) is absurd, you know, or like discussing the business and I was like oh okay agents then I got to high school and Orlando has its thing going on where we have a magnet school down there named Dr. Phillips and I went to a high school named Lake Brantley High School it's in uh, Altamont Springs Florida and we had this teacher named Mrs. Mueller and Mr. Lowe and Mrs. Mueller and Mr. Lowe changed our lives, truly. Like, Miss Mueller would always say to us, we're not doing high school theater. We're doing theater in a high school. Ooh, that's nice. A different little perspective switch. Right? If she would give us jobs. Like, I was doing publicity at 13 years old, but understanding, like, okay, we need to do a publicity campaign, you know? And, like, we were doing box office, and we were making commercials for our morning uh, news show. So she gave us this responsibility and kept a keen eye on us. And a lot of my guys, a lot of my friends are out there doing their thing, honestly, still messing around in the business, all because Mrs. Mueller and Mr. Lowe back there. And, um, and that was that, you know, and my parents, I say my parents because my parents were just, whatever you want to do, Papa, you do it. You're the, you're the best at that thing. You know, my, my mom is it's cheering in the front row. My dad was always this quiet confidence and never once in my life, Renee, I'll tell you the truth, never once did they ever make me feel or side comment or say anything to me about something else happening other than me becoming an actor. Because in eighth grade, I came up to New York. I saw this city. I live in New York City. I saw this place and I made, it made sense to me. I fit here. I knew that then. Um, My dad was born in the Bronx. So being on that trip, I think with him, it just put something in my brain. I came back in high school and I just know I belonged here. And this is definitely part of my genetic makeup now. This city, you know, I'm raising my boys here. Me and my wife, we love being parents here in the city. But that was all just my parents, you know, being like, sure, go to New York City. I'm like, yeah, New York City. That's where actors live, right? Okay, I'll go. And of course, I get here at 17, 18 years old. And I'm just like, oh, shit, you know, like. Okay, let's figure this out. Were you totally alone at that point, 17, 18, in, alone in the city? I was alone. 
But it's funny because like going to NYU, you know, going to any school in the city, but I happen to go to NYU, but just going to a place like this where I got to experience this place, I got to run around and make mistakes with a safety net and I got to go to class and I had an RA, you know, and um, so that was really nice to have from 18 to 22. So by the time that I was 22 and then <laughs> maybe that, that what I heard, maybe at 22 when I did feel alone, you know, it was like, oh, but I know this place, you know, like I know this place. I get it. You know, when you see your bodega guy, you know, what's up, shorty? What's up, papa? You know, and he's like, what's up, bro? And all of a sudden that rejuvenates your day in a way that I've always found is part of my makeup, you know? So this thing, just kind of one thing led to another. And when I, when I got into college, that's where I really kind of understood what this business was. You know, in high school, I was just doing it for fun. And that's why I tell anybody that's a youngster that's asking me now. It's like, man, just have fun. Do whatever you're doing out there. Like if you do, just do theater, you know, like mess around, practice on your own. Um, so that, that way, when we have to do it for our work and our business, it's still a dream come true, you know. But um, yeah, it all started in Orlando. Okay, so you talk about that first audition moment, standing in the parking lot. You're doing the Mickey Mouse. Was it Mickey Mouse Club? The Mickey Mouse Club, like reboot. I think it was. I don't think it even made it to air, but that's what it was. So, how different is the audition process for you now? For people that are listening to this that don't know what that process can be like, and you've you know you know film, television, theater. How different do those kind of vary? I've always fascinated by the audition process because I have a love-hate relationship with it, as I think a lot of people do. It's a love-hate as relationship. As we all do, yeah, right? Yeah. It's a bit of a thrill. Kind of makes you a little sick to your stomach. Some days I love it. Some days I hate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you think about it all day. You're sleeping on it. Yeah. How's it changed? You know, like, hmm. You know, wow, that one in eighth grade, that one, I did the Chris Farley monologue from Tommy Boy. So you're driving along, driving along, kids are in the backseat. I got to go to the bathroom, daddy. Not now, damn it. <laughs> did that as my monologue and then sang, you're going to think I'm lying to you, but it was either All or Nothing by O-Town or it was a song called Purest of Pain by Sun by Four. I can't remember now what it was, maybe both because maybe I had to go back in and sing, but All or Nothing was my jam. You know, and and this song, Pierce of Pain, was my jam back in the day. I could sing it in English and Spanish, too. So that was always my way of being like, all right, y'all, this is what I have to offer to the cast, you know? But no, like when I really started auditioning up here in New York and like trying to make my way, I'll tell you what's changed. When I first started auditioning, in, in me, and then there's the other side, what's changed in the actual auditions, but I think this is what we're maybe talking about. It's like that audition process, when I was first going at it, you're trying to figure out whatever it is that they're wanting you to do. This is at the beginning. And I think what I've learned is that it's not you necessarily figuring out what they want you to do. It's twofold. It's like, sure, it's definitely that. You've got to read your roadmap of the script and you have to read your roadmap of the lines. Everything's in that script. But I think what they're looking for too is like, for you to bring whatever your thing is to it. You know, like, and, and I say that so, like, obviously knowing how weird that sounds, but whatever that thing is, and, like, it could be as simple as, like, if you know that you have more fun when you're doing a certain style of thing, maybe try to turn 
every audition into that style of thing because then they're watching it and the writer and the director, the producer, but as early as the casting director are going, oh, interesting. I never thought about it like that. And that's what's hard is because you wish you could do that every time. But honestly, I've taken that pressure off myself because I've learned that like sometimes it's, it is the stars that line up, you know, and like at this point, there are things that I've lost that have gone to guys that aren't that I'm now friends with. And they're so much better at that <laughs> part than I ever could yeah. have been. So I'm just laughing because I'm like, oh, yeah, like, duh, that made zero sense that I would ever audition for that because you exist in the world, you know. And then it's just kind of figuring that out. I used to always think when I was like doing more like auditions and stuff like film, television and whatnot, I remember like very early on in my career, like hearing that story of like Bette Midler walking into a scene and like the gum, she lost her gum and stuck it on a chair and like made, she did her own little scene before even starting any of the lines to just get more time in the room, show more of her personality. Have you ever pulled things like that in a room? Uh, maybe not on, that's so funny. Maybe not on purpose. Yes, on purpose. What am I talking about? Of course you are. Are you kidding me? Like, that's like that thing where, once again, it's a dance. That's why to this day, I wish I could tell you that I kill every audition. But truth is, it's like, I'm just trying my best to not be awkward and to show them that, like, I love it without coming off desperate all the time. Which is a fine line sometimes of like, I want to be here. I really want to do this. But like, I'm not banging on anyone's door. I'm not going to like sweat it. But I would really love to do this job. The people that I have to like shout out, you know, are like those early casting directors that just like took me under their wing. And I would hope, I think it's because they maybe saw something. And I don't mean took me under the wing and like spent, no, I just mean every time I was in there, like they would allow me the opportunity to make mistakes because they saw past the nerves early. The me really wanting this job, you know, like me just trying my hardest and then being like, hey, let's do that again. And let's just talk a little bit. You know, they're like, how the babies, Josh? And I'm like, oh, man, well, Gus, you know, like Gus did this thing and that, da 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 And they're like, all right, let's run that again. I'm like, all right. So da 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 And I'm doing the scene a whole different way because I'm out of my, my own neuroses, you know? Yeah, again, it's that love-hate relationship with the auditioning process. And like, I'm always fascinated by it. And you know, it's like, I think people that haven't experienced that of like walking into a room and everyone's looking at you and... Do you have your lines memorized? Do you know what you're doing? Like that confidence, that that fine line of like, I want to be here, but I'm not sweating it. I'm not begging for the job. But please hire me. Please hire me. Please hire me. How about that test scenario? Oh, you know, my where like, God. I'm in New York, so a lot of them are in L.A. And you get on a plane. I'll remember my first test ever was for a show called Iceland. It was a, a, a show on Fox. And I'm on the plane and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to test, you know. So I'm flying out. I don't really know what this means quite yet. I get to LA and I sit in a room and I'm sitting next to Zach Guilford, who plays Matt Saracen on Friday Night Lights. Okay. So I hadn't seen Friday Night Lights yet. There's a couple other guys, but you'll see why Zach is the one that matters to me. A couple other guys, gorgeous men sitting in this room. Like, oh, I guess we're all testing with these people in here, you know? Damn it. That was like me. I'm talking to Zach. 
He goes in, he does his thing. I go in, I do my thing and I leave and I call my manager at the time. And I was like, yo, I killed it. I think it went well. She's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I did. She's like, who else was there? And I was like, you know that kid that's on Friday Night Lights? And such and such. And she's like, Matt, Matt Harrison? Yeah, Matt. And like, Friday Night Lights was at his height, okay? He's like, Matt, Matt Harrison was? Zach Gopher was? You know, Josh, you did your best, you know? And like, <laughs> that's what matters, you know? And I remember getting the call literally three hours later, like, Zach Guilford obviously got this part, you know? And I was just like, oh, oh, got it. I got it, you know? But that, you know, that test thing, you're sitting in a room in, a, in the back over there, there's 10, 10 folks watching. Oh, my. You feel so close, I'm sure, too. And you're like, you get flown out. Everything feels so nice and fancy. You feel like you've already kind of made it a little bit. And then you're like, no, didn't happen. Didn't get the part. Yeah. Hey, it's all part of the journey, it's part right? Of the journey. It's, it's part, part of the journey. It's part of the journey. Good memories. Start the NFL week off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay every Thursday from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or you already have an account. Every Thursday night, you'll get free bets back if your NFL same-game parlay doesn't hit. Same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. I'm talking game lines, totals, spreads, player props, touchdown scorers, so many to choose from. You can build your own or choose from one of the popular same-game parlays pre-built in for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet the NFL every Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with the promo code Renee. And if you don't already have an account, that's promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, to get free bets back if your same game parlay doesn't hit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. TN Redline, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Okay, let's talk about Stephen Amell for a minute, because obviously you've been able to work with him on Arrow. Um, have you talked to him much about heels and what he's doing there with you being such a massive wrestling fan? Is this something that, like, like what's, what's the relationship at right now? I talk to Steve all the time. I'm going to claim the second that he closed that deal for heels, he told me, okay? <laughs> because he knows, you know, when I met Steve, I honestly can't tell you if I gave him a couple hours or maybe like a day. I don't know. We have to ask him on this. But I didn't, I didn't mess with him too much. I didn't bother him. But I was preparing what I was going to say. I was there at SummerSlam, and I saw him against Cody, just as a fan. I bought myself one ticket, and I sat second row. I was there for that card. I obviously loved him in Ninja Turtles. So I was ready to go in 
and start my friendship with my guy, okay? (laughs) And uh, we were at a con one day, and he says to me, buddy, I have a question for you. He's like, do you want to come out to the ring with me and corner me at all? And I was like, "Uh, um, yeah. So he gave me one of the best nights of my life. I love that, dude. Have we spoken about heels? Absolutely. Am I going to be on it? Absolutely. I'm pretty sure that's, that's, I'm first telling you this. I don't know if this is out there. Yay! We got an exclusive. Yeah, I think that's how that goes, you know? Um, Hell yeah, congratulations. I mean, what a perfect fit. How could you not, right? That's exactly it, you know? I won't say who I'm playing, so that would keep somewhat of a mystery, but no, the second he started... That's my guy. I'm in his ear. You know, we send each other stuff. I make sure I send him whatever I'm seeing on on the screen and he sends me whatever he's seeing on the screen. I say, yo, you catch this. Yo, you catch that. And I've just been so proud of him. You know, like, look at what that is. You know, him and Michael Malley and and it's like Xander and like that whole crew. It's like being there with them was so fun. Kelly's up there busting ass, you know, like she's in that ring and she's killing it. And it was just like, yo, like, it just made me happy. I'm, I'm, I, I was watching it as a fan the whole first season. As I hope you hear in me, like, it's something I hold sacred, this craft that we love, this professional wrestling, the sports entertainment thing. So it was just really cool to be on it. And I just told him, I was like, yo, I'll clean the floors. I know. I was like, dude, you need an announcer? You need a broadcaster on the show? Because... I'll be there. That's what I'm saying. I know. Let's. I'll come out to Atlanta. Let's go. That's what I'm saying. Let's go season three, Renee. Let's go. Um, and you know what's funny is that uh, it all kind of happened like not even through Steve. It happened through Mike, Mike O'Malley. And then he he talks to Steve. He's like, yo, you know this kid, Josh? And Steve was like, do I know? Stop. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Yo, everyone, let's talk. You know, and that was that was the end of the conversation. Uh, that's so great. Steven's so cool. He is one of those people very early on in my career that he was great and kind of took me under his wing. I think he had just started maybe doing uh, New Girl. Maybe Arrow was like kind of getting up and running, but we had like mutual friends. But yeah, we were like, you know, met in Toronto. Good old Canadian pals. But yeah, he always like just helped guide me if I had any questions about things. Like, God, I remember like Zoom calling him being like, I need an agent. I don't know who to talk to. And he's like, was just the best at helping me kind of like get my footing and figure out exactly what the hell I was doing. I was there for two weeks. I was there with my wife. Uh, Brace was seven months pregnant with our first boy with Gus. Uh, I, we had put everything in storage in New York and I went out there two weeks in, you know, whatever it was. I'd say in two weeks, whatever it was, uh, quick. He grabs me by the shoulders like, buddy, I'm going to be out of town for the holidays. You and your wife. Your family's coming to town, right? You got your mom, dad, sister, brother. I was like, yeah. He's like, you guys, you're staying at my house. And he's like, my car's in the garage. Here's the code. He's like, you're not saying no. You're staying at my house. I'll see you when I get back, okay? And I was like, okay. And just my family was sitting in their house, him and Cass. You know, I love Cass. It's like, we're sitting in their house just like, what a nice, what a nice gesture that was. Thanks for doing that for me. I'm in Vancouver. I would have had to look for a bigger place at Airbnb. I would have had to do these. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you. So what was your day like when you did get to walk him out to the ring at All In? I mean, for you to get that behind-the-scenes experience and really get to soak in AEW. <laughs> Come on! All right, Renee. I probably said 
a total of 20 words that whole night. That was the first time I've ever been allowed to be backstage at a wrestling show. <laughs> and CD, Chris Daniels, the man, the legend, he was having his match with Steve. Obviously, he's the, the kindest dude in the world. So I was standing backstage, just watching. Cody was cool as hell. Cody and I had worked briefly already on Arrow, but obviously he was having a big night. Everybody was working hard, you know? Oh my God, I'll forever remember watching, I think Pentagon and Ray, but it was like six luchadors in the back and they were just walking through everything. Not walking through, just kind of talking to each other. Dude, I was just locked in. And they looked at me and I looked at them and I just gave them the nod of like, respect, gentlemen, <laughs> you know, like respect. I'm a lock and key. I'm a vault, you know, like respect, gentlemen. And that's what my night was, you know watching all the fellas get ready, you know, just watching everybody just be so hyped. So Cody walks us to the curtain and he's like, all right, fellas, you know, that's your, that's your stage. You know, that's your platform. Me and Steve are kind of looking out, looking out. Cool. But that was just from the back curtain. So music hits. Me and Steve are hyped, you know, I'm hitting him in the chest. He's hitting me in the chest and we go out and those lights hit and the crowd, whatever happened, it went silent. Point being, I realized that I hadn't walked to the ring yet, so I didn't know what the pathway felt like. And there are stairs there, Renee. So I'm looking at the lights. I'm looking at the fans. I'm hopping up and down. I'm whoa, whoa, and then stairs. And I just remember being like, oh, there's stairs. And I feel like it was like angels in the outfield. Like somebody helped me down the stairs because I was busting ass unless that angel helped me down. We get to the ring. SCU was obviously across the ring from us. We're over here. We're talking, we're talking nonsense. The boys square up. So I see the fellas walk out. So I follow them. But Renee, I'm a fan of them. So what do I do? I'm just like walking behind them. Just kind of like talking to fans. Just like, and they're talking shit. And I'm right behind the guys. We get back to the curtain and Colt Cabana's standing at the curtain. And he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? He's like, aren't you a fuck? You guys are, why did you walk back together? And I was like, oh, my bad, fellas. I just saw you guys. Oh, my bad. You're right. I should have stayed in character the whole, you're right. My bad, fellas. <laughs> that was that night, dude. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. But really, I mean, I get it because it's so... Like, I, like, I remember when, like, the first time I had to go in the ring to do an interview. And as much as you're like, okay, I just get in the ring and you grab a mic and you do the thing. But it's not that. You get in there. You've got to, like, make sure your outfit's okay to squeeze in between the ropes. And first of all, I don't need to flash anybody. It's getting in there, realizing what the ring really feels like, finding your hard cam, then doing your bit and hearing your voice booming over the, like, the sound system. Oh, my God. It is a trippy experience. And if you've not done that, that shit can throw you for a loop where you're like, oh, I thought I knew how to do what I'm doing and I don't know what the hell is going on. I was cocky about it. I was <laughs> like, I know this. I've been doing this my whole life. 
Yeah. <laughs> Toast. Toast. Oh my God. That's so funny. It really is magical though. Like I'm glad you got to have that experience of going backstage and soaking all that in. Like I remember the first time the WWE brought me on the road and that was my first time seeing like the belly of the beast of how this show works where it's like the shows are changing and scripts are changing and this is happening and this needs to be taped and this person's warming up and blah, blah, blah. It's just like seeing all of these pieces come together. Like when you are a fan of professional wrestling, but then you do get that peek behind the curtain You can't help but become a bigger fan and have more respect and admiration for all these athletes, for the crew, for production, all that stuff. Because like you see the chaos that happens behind that curtain before you get to walk out to the crowd. And it's like, it's amazing. It's a miracle every time that like you go live on television, like, here we go. It's nuts. So true. So true. Um, Okay, so you obviously love you some Canadians, you love some Stephen Amell, got to spend time in Vancouver, and now doing She-Hulk with Tatiana Maslany, because she is an angel. How talented is this chick? When you see her working in real life, like, I was a fan of hers from Orphan Black, and again, being a a Toronto girl, one of my ex-boyfriends was like friends with her. So I felt like through proxy, I was like friends with her, which we've never even met. Um, But I'm just fascinated by her. Like, I just think she's so immensely talented. So you get to see that firsthand. Talk to me about it. You know, what's crazy about her is that I see how hard she's working, but she'll never wear it. She never wore that. And she is the franchise, you know? So you always hear about that, you know, when you're the franchise player, when you, when you are She-Hulk, I'm watching her and I'm just seeing her carry herself with grace, kindness every day to everybody, room to play, gave to others, gave to me, you know, would take time out of her day to make sure that we were all good, you know? And those things or what make her so special because then you see what she does on screen and every take is a new honest take and you go, Oh, this is fun. Thanks for being so grounded in this, you know, knowing the many colors we can bring to this. So I can only imagine what it must've been like working with her on Orphan Black for that cast because seeing her, you know, obviously do what she does there. And we saw parts of that in our show too. You know, obviously she played 4,800, but even this, like, you know, you're creating a character that's in CGI. She carried herself differently when she was She-Hulk versus when she's Jen. Those are the things I love watching. That's, to me, like that nerdy game tape stuff where I'm like, okay, I know you thought about that, and I appreciate that. Who knows if it'll ever transfer? These are all the things that we do. Who knows if they'll ever transfer on screen? Who knows if they'll ever make sense? But it's part of the fun stuff of making a character and seeing how you can... I always like to think of... I heard this from um, Chadwick Boseman on a podcast he did. Love that, dude. I wish I'd got to met him and work with him. That would have been incredible. But he said on a podcast, he said that he likes to think of every character. of It's him raised in that character's situation. And that stuck with me. It's like, oh, okay. So there's something so honest about Tatiana. There's something so real about her that it's so fun to see her play all these different things. To see her dancing with Meg Thee Stallion, you know? Oh, my God. That day was fun. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, you guys have such a great cast for that. And the reception for She-Hulk has been amazing. How does that feel for you guys to be working on something? Like, what is that process like of working on something 
you know, behind closed doors, you guys are on a set doing your thing, waiting. You're probably in your own little insular world feeling like what you think the show is going to be like. And now people are finally seeing it and the reception's been amazing. Okay, so I'll tell you, this one's different than any other job I've ever had, and I'll tell you why. With most other jobs, some obviously don't fit in this category, but with most other things, you do them in secret. And then you forget about them, and the world forgets about it in a way. And all of a sudden you hear from, like, oh, it's going to drop March 1st. Okay, great, and the show comes out. It's the first thing I've ever done that when we were working on it, you started to hear chatter. Then we finished it, and you heard chatter about what it was going to be because we had finished it, so everyone thought they knew what it was going to be. And we were all talking to each other being like, wait, but we have reshoots in a month. (laughs) And we just got new scripts. So that's so funny that everyone thinks they already know what the show's going to be. And then we went and did it, and then you hear more chatter about the show, and then the show comes out. (laughs) It's really cool to be on something that you turn on the Disney Plus and it's the first banner. It's cool, you know, like, um, so now that it's out and it's getting uh, a sweet reception, it makes me really happy, you know, like the little things inside of it. Like when my guy Gus, you know, he's my five-year-old, my guy Hank is too. Um, Chad was a bunch, but my guy Gus, you know, the Shield commercial will come on and be like, Dada, your friend. Oh, it's pretty dope, you know? How sweet our daughter. She's 15 months. And every now and then, if I show her John on TV, she'll point at him and like, she's starting to recognize that it's him now. It makes me so excited for her, for her to not, she just knows Dada, but I'm excited to like bring her out there and her like really see John do his thing. Like, oh my God, that's your dad. Dude, that's so cool. It's pretty cool. It's It's so magical. It's really cool. Um, You mentioned him earlier. Mark Ruffalo. What is that dreamboat like? Dude, a dreamboat. He's got to be just as dreamy as as can be, right? And like then just once again, the kindest and like, you know, I of course was counting the days till he came to work and he's a New York theater guy. And so I've known that name for a really long time, especially, you know, as a, when you're starting out, they're telling you, find actors that are doing the things you would like to do. And he's one of them. And so, of course, you know, I get to work and, you know, he kind of sweetly walks in, you know, and just like, what's up, man? Welcome to the world, man. Welcome to the team. You know, you guys having fun? I was like, yeah, I'm having the best time <laughs> of my am, life. Yeah. Man. You know, I love you, bro. You know, so I think once again, I gave Mark a day and then he was sitting off to the side and I was like, all right, man, I got kids too. I'm a New York guy. I'm a theater guy. You're the best, man. You know, just, um, you know, and, uh, and that's that. Just once again, a really cool dude, you know, the freaking Hulk. The freaking Hulk. The freaking Hulk. That's the freaking Hulk. Hulk. Oh my you know? gosh. He's just, he's so great. I love, he's one, he's one of those actors that like you go to watch what he's doing, anything he's in. If Mark Ruffalo's name is on that, I'm going to check it out. It's got that good integrity. Big fan. And still like talking about the scene, you know, like, all right, so where do you think? What do you think we're coming from right before this? All right, man. All right, let's try something. All right, let's do, you know, you're like, oh, it's freaking awesome, man. You know, like you still love this thing. You still care deeply about this thing. And you roll out a red carpet for Tatiana and us to come join you. And 
the coolest reception ever. A legend, that guy. Who are some of the actors that you see that are doing things that you want to be doing? Do you still reflect on things that way at this point in your career? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, early it was like John Leguizamo. You know, I'd watch, you know, Freak. Or I'd watch, you know, later on it was Ghetto Clown. And, like, he would do impersonations of, like, his mom and his dad and his cousins, you know. And then, you know, he comes out with Tu Wong Fu. I took people to that for my birthday party. My 10th birthday party was rallying the troops to go see Tu Wong Fu. Let's go. It's (laughs) awesome. Great movie. Moulin Rouge playing another character. And it's like, oh, I want to be like that guy, you know. Of course. So then I get to New York and now I'm finding New York actors. And honestly, that's where Ruffalo comes into play. Later on, it's Bobby Cannavale now. You know, I love Cannavale stuff. You know, I love Billy Crudup's stuff. Um, I, I love this play called The Pillow Man that Billy Crudup did way back in the day. So funny story. My name is Joshua David Segarra. My whole life, I thought I was named Joshua David because it was uh, a biblical name. I mean, you know, at the time, we were, you know, my parents found the church when I was born. So that's what we were at church. So I was like, oh, they found it in the Bible. No, my mom named me Joshua because it was she was watching... Alec Baldwin's soap opera called Knott's Landing in the hospital. And he was named Joshua. So she liked the character name, so she named me Joshua. After Alec Baldwin, you know. So, of course, I know all this now, you know, and I'm watching all his young stuff. And he's a theater guy, too. And him on 30 Rock, all of a sudden you've seen him as a comedian. And he's this dramatic actor in Glengarry Glen Ross. And in college, we were always quoting Glengarry, you know. And we were always trying to be these, you know, actors, actors, and it's still in me. You know, I, I hold on to that generation before me, and that's that's what I am. I'm cut from that cloth of all the guys that came before me, all the actors that came before me. When you come off of working on a show like She-Hulk, like Arrow, like these big, shiny television shows, do you really get that itch to go, okay, now let's go back to the basics and go back to doing Broadway. Let's get back to scratching that itch right away. Absolutely. It's like, I'll always have that itch. I've gotten to originate a couple roles on Broadway. And it's like those experiences, are I can't trade them for anything. So I know that I need like five more of those experiences. You know, I need 10 more of those. I want to do Shakespeare in the park. I'm waiting for them to call me when they call, I'll be ready. What Shakespeare would you do? Off the top of my head, I'd love to do Othello so I can play Iago. You know, that would be pretty fun. That's just one part that I have in my brain, you know. But even if we did a Romeo and Juliet, let's go old school. I'll play anybody in that, you know. I'll play Johnny Legs, you know. I'd love to do that. Um, No, absolutely. You know, I've gotten to do a couple musicals. And, you know, who knows? I think maybe the next thing I'd love to do out there is a play, you know. Uh, uh, So that way, I I just like doing different things, you know. So even when it comes to my projects that I've gotten to be a part of on screen, Like I'm on this show called The Other Two that's on HBO Max. And that is written by Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider who did SNL. They were the head writers for SNL for a few years. And like Molly Shannon is on that show and Ken Marino. Being on that, it's funny because it feels like mini plays in a way because we shoot it in New York. So we shoot in the middle of 30 Rock and we're shooting on the Brooklyn Bridge. And they're such funny writers that I feel like I'm in... I'm in process of learning how to do my craft better with them. And it's just a very visceral job that we love very much because we shoot all through the streets of New York. 
So I feel like that is kind of scratching that itch because I'm in New York. I'm home. I'm with my family. I come home to my family. God, how nice is that to be able to come home every night after shooting and like, oh my God, what a game changer that's got to be. You don't know that I'm always talking about you guys, but that's what I tell people. They're like, isn't that crazy? I'm like, bro, wrestlers on the road, like 330 out of 365, man. You know, like. Oh my God. I'm so glad that John's schedule is not that anymore. Like, thank. I was just talking uh, to, to Brian Danielson about this too, because it's like, man, you get to come home to your kids and be gone, you know, one and a half days a week. Sometimes if uh, Rampage is live, John's gone a little more than that, but. So lucky that the schedule is not what it used to be because I used to feel for those guys and those girls so much that would be on the road. Then you go home and then you're in, you know, parent mode, which is all consuming and your body's beat up and you're trying to be the best wrestler, the best dad, the best mom. Like, I don't know how they stay afloat doing that. Like, that's, oh my God. Absolutely. That's why we, we're lucky with the partners that we have that when you, when you get lucky enough to have a partner that you like, just simple as that, <laughs> that you just like. Yeah. And you know, they like you. Yeah. And you guys are doing this thing together. It makes it all that easier where you're like, okay, we know that this is quote unquote tougher than maybe what it could be, but I don't know. It doesn't, it's just, it's our way. It's also so lucky. Like the fact that we all live doing the careers that we've like strive to do. And yes, sometimes it's hard and sometimes you're spread super, super thin, but holy shit, are we ever lucky that we get to do the things that we do and be in love with that and like have these great partners and these families like so lucky. What are the odds? They're not high and we get to be fortunate like that. It's pretty cool. Um, If you were to play a wrestler in a movie or series, who would you want to be? Anybody? I'm going Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. I want to be Razor. Give me Scott. Let's go. That's who it is. Great answer. Great answer. What do you think about the casting for the Von Erics in that movie that they're putting together? Have you seen that? I haven't seen the cast yet. Did they already cast it? Oh my gosh. Now I'm drawing a blank on his name. Really handsome, like Disney actor kid. Zac Efron. Zac Efron's one of them. That's awesome. Zach's going to kill that. He, I know. He is really great. God, yeah, we're really getting like a lot of great like wrestling content. I mean, when you think of like the movies that are being done and even just from like Young Rock, like the, the way that that show has been done has been really, really great. Wrestling with my family. I love that one. Love it. Love it. Oh, my gosh. Florence Pugh, too. Wow, that girl's really something special, huh? Isn't she great? She's a badass. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's great. I'm loving all like the Annie stuff going on. This whole whatever deal they struck with Annie is pretty great. But I've also been a fan, you know, like I, anything that's going to peek me behind the curtain, I'm going to listen to and I'm going to watch, you know. I just got to do a few of those and I had a great time doing it because it is really fun to go in and you kind of go down this memory lane and yeah, I, I can't, I did, I did Freddie Prince's show, the, uh, the rivalry show. I'm not sure when those ones are coming out, but, but it was like such a blast, like really fun getting in this like round table, discussing these like long storied rivalries. The A&E shows are done really, really well. They're super fun. And then you've got the other side of things with like dark side of the ring, which is just yowsies, but captivating. It's what about, so good. what about treasures? <laughs> I'm such a sucker for treasures. Yeah. That is such a smart. Yes. That's I so know. Cool. Cause as you know, I'm a collector. I've got little collections. 
but come on, that was such a great idea. And I just hope it goes forever. Just give me 52 seasons of treasures and let's just keep making new treasures <laughs> and find new things to collect so I can visit the museum. I just want that needs the Hall yes. of Fame. Let's just make it happen. There needs to be an actual physical WWE Hall of Fame because that thing. Isn't that a rumor? Is that a rumor? I had heard about that years and years ago, but I had never actually heard of anything really happening other than when they do um, fan access and stuff and they've got the different, the Undertaker thing set up and Trisha's wardrobe set up and, you know, things like that to kind of look at. But there's definitely, you go to the, um, the studios that they have in Stamford and they've got, and then the warehouses, like you walk through there, you would have a ball. It is like the coolest shit, like the old SmackDown signs there, like old set design stuff. Like there, it, nothing gets thrown away. It's, it's pretty cool in terms of like things that have been archived that you can like really root through. That's awesome. You know, you were asking about Orlando earlier and just a spark that it's like, I grew up, probably like 15, 20 minutes away from the performance center. And I just think like that was built probably when I was getting out of college. It was like, man, if that thing was built like 10, 15 years earlier. <laughs> you would have been right there. I mean, I'm only six foot, 195 if I'm in shape, you know, like I know that like my limits would have been pretty serious. I don't have the gifts that certain guys with my size have gone on to do. I watch them like, no, oh, you guys are monsters and you belong there. But you know, maybe, maybe I would have found a different road. Maybe be a... Uh, Maybe the mouth of the South, you know, maybe just pay homage. <laughs> I think six foot 195 gives you plenty of room to, to dance with. I think that's plenty to work with. It's great. <laughs> well, listen, I'm so glad I got to have you on the show. You are an absolute gem. Cannot wait to continue watching uh, more of She-Hulk because you guys all just crush it. The whole cast is amazing and continued to, uh, success to you. Renee, you're the bomb. You are. I'm honored to be on here. Thank you for those kind words, but like, you're a killer. I love your work. John, please give him my love. I, I was there on Saturday night. I watched him win the title. <laughs> it was awesome to be there. But seriously, I'm just honored. Thanks for letting me chat about wrestling of with you. This course. is so cool. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out. If you're here on YouTube and you were watching it, Thanks for coming to uh, to join us in this space. You can watch the interview, and if you happen to be listening to the podcast version, head on over to YouTube. You can see us hanging out, and you can also see his amazing like collection of all the figures and the artwork and all of those fancy, cool things. So thanks to Josh for popping on here and joining. I love meeting a new wrestling fan friend. I like it. It's so much fun. Um, the dude, obviously, is just like a diehard wrestling fan. And when you see someone who comes from like another walk of life that just requires so much like work and effort and focus, but you see them really respecting what goes on in the world of pro wrestling, um, you love to see it. I love to see it. So thank you, Josh, for coming to uh, hang out on the show. And again, make sure to check out She-Hulk. That is on Disney Plus right now. The show is amazing. He is great in it. Um, definitely get your eyeballs on that. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out. This has been The Sessions. The Sessions.